Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Three, two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It is our preview of the Cincinnati Bengals game. We're going to give you a little bit of a break from the Odell Beckham Jr. talk as we look ahead to Sunday's game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Mary Kay Cabot, Doug Marie Scott Patsko, and I make uh, some prop bets, and we make our picks for the game right at the very end, so make sure you stick through until that. Now, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, make sure you get subscribed to get a daily newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day. Access to exclu- exclusive stories. I swear I can spit that out. Access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns, and also you can be one of our text subscribers. So go to cleveland.com slash browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. Okay, hey, let's make some picks. Browns and Bengals, 1 p.m. Here's our Friday Picks Pod. And here we go with our prediction spot here on the Orange Brown Talk podcast, looking ahead to the Bengals Browns game on Sunday. You guys believe there's actually a game this week? Because it sure doesn't feel like it. There's been a whole lot going on and not very much about this football game as we've gone through this week, uh, talking to players and coaches. Obviously, the focus has been on Odell Beckham Jr. So I guess we'll give everybody a little bit of a break. Maybe he'll come up on this podcast. We'll see. Uh, so let's do this. Scott, why don't you lead us off? with uh with one of your predictions all right so mine's gonna be an over under and it has to do with a guy that uh we we talked about what two weeks ago i think doug doug brought him up uh prior to the broncos game i'm gonna say this is the dimitrick felton game uh the jets beat the bengals last week and one of the things they really excelled with was getting their running backs open on short routes and letting them run past Bengals linebackers and get a lot of yards after catch. Um, they like Michael Carter, Ty Johnson, they both had like 12 and 15 yards uh, after catch. And they both had, let's see, six. Well, Carter had 13 targets, nine catches. Johnson had five catches on six targets. Um, but most of the throws were really short. They're not the only team to do that against the Bengals this year. The Vikings had success doing that. Um, Jaguars tried, they just did not have guys who can get a lot of yards after the catch. Um, so this is a game that we're expecting Beckham to not be part of, uh, which I think also maybe throws Felton more into the passing game. His, uh, he's just super efficient. He leads the team in PFF grade. He has 90.1 PFF grade, which is highest on the offense. Obviously he hasn't played a ton of snaps, but super efficient. Uh, if you're into EPA per target, he's third on the team. Um, just creating a lot of good things when he touches the ball. We're eight games in. I think it's time that he gets ramped up a little bit. Um, 
Meanwhile, the Bengals linebackers like Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt are just not good in coverage. Um, Wilson's given up like 11.5 yards per catch, which is almost top 10 among linebackers. So I think he, I think Felton's on the field a lot with Landry and DPJ in this game. And I'm going to set the over under on targets for Demetric Felton at five and a half. And I'm going to take the over. So. Okay. So I was looking this up because I was curious because I thought this was the case, but um, Odell Beckham is actually the leader for the Browns among wide receivers and snaps played this year. Uh, he's at 290. Donovan Peoples-Jones is at 287. Uh, of course, he's he missed the Pittsburgh game and, and the Denver game as well. So there's a lot of snaps with Odell Beckham not playing in this game. There are a lot of snaps to be filled. And when we're going to talk about Felton and playing time, I think you've got to look obviously at the running back situation, but also at the receiver situation. Because like you said, Scott, there's you know, that, that's sort of where he's going to end up playing a fair amount. Uh, you've got to find some way to, to ease the loss of Odell Beckham Jr. And there's, there's lots of snaps that, that open up now. I still think I'm going to go under five and a half. Maybe if the number were four and a half, I would go over. So I guess I'm saying like five targets. But I'm going to go under five and a half. But I do think for, for the reasons you said and the fact that they need Anybody who can catch the football right now and play wide receiver for them. I think there's going to be some opportunities there for Felton finally in this game. Yeah. You know what, Dan, I kind of agree with you. Five and a half seems almost just like a little bit too much for me. And five almost seems like the number for whatever reason. And I can see him getting some targets for all the reasons that Scott mentioned. And he's sort of a little bit of a, a surprise weapon that, uh, you know, that they can really rely on in this game for all those reasons but I don't know five and a half seems like a lot uh, so I think I, I, I do think I'm still going to go with the under on this one it was five and a half targets correct not catches right five and a half targets yeah that that seems a little high to me also do do we not think that Donovan Peoples-Jones just takes Odell Beckham's role and he's the starting receiver with Jarvis Landry now. Is that we don't think that's going to be the case? Well, I think the, it thing, the thing is, though, Peoples Jones was the guy who was playing the most snaps anyway at wide receiver. So even when Beckham was around, Peoples Jones was getting a ton of snaps. So I don't know how much Beckham directly impacts Peoples Jones playing time. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think there's still a lot of snaps yeah. that open up, even if Peoples Jones plays a lot. And really, this isn't more. This isn't so much about another receiver because obviously Higgins is going to play plenty. I'm I'm assuming, um, but just the fact that other teams have had some success targeting those Bengals linebackers, and I think having Demetric Felton catching a short pass is a lot better than say having Richard Higgins catching a short pass, um, or even Anthony Schwartz for that matter. Yeah, okay. I, I, see, I see more of. Um... DPJ in the starting lineup. And I, I think it's going to be effective. I think that uh, I think he should have played more than he's been playing. Of course, he missed the last two games and some of it will come down to his health. You don't want to injure a groin muscle when you're sprinting downfield, but uh, he's one of the most reliable guys we've had this season. For the most part, he's where he's supposed to be and he catches the ball and he's got more touchdown catches than anybody. 
to just yeah, I think this is yeah. there's a lot there's a lot to that. I mean, this is his time. So I'm very curious to see. As you guys said, I just don't know if I mean, are they gonna go back? Are they gonna play three receivers less often in a non-Odell world if they think the best way to get their best guys on the field is Landry, Peoples Jones, and two tight ends, and that's their best look going forward. Where previously, if DPJ is your third guy, it's like, oh, we'd like our we like three receivers. Let's make sure we do enough three receivers. Do you back off that? Yeah, I mean, they they love these big tight end sets, and you know, my 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 prediction is going to have to do with Nick Chubb and running the football, and I and I I do wonder if they kind of try to get back to that a little bit this week. So. I don't know, though. I, I, I think I agree with Scott. I think there are going to be some opportunities for Felton in this game, especially as a back out of the backfield. And look, I mean, they didn't really use Dearness Johnson a lot last year. Last week, we talked about him in the postgame pod. Maybe they'll give Felton some opportunities as, as that second running back, even if a lot of his action comes through the air. You know what I think one of their their biggest failings has been so far this season is really not using the personnel well. I, I tried to get at that a little bit, uh, talk, asking Kevin Stefanski about that in the Monday press conference about, you know, why not go with the hotter hand? Why not try a little bit more of David Njoku when he is a good downfield threat? Why not target him a little bit more in the first half of that game? Um, again, we talked about this before. I, you know, I thought there should have been a few more carries for Dearness Johnson with Nick coming off the calf. Um, I feel like they almost have too many pieces and parts and they're overthinking when you're the Kansas city chiefs, you just get the ball to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. That's what you do. That's what you have. I think there's almost been like, Oh, Hey, what should we do this week? And it turns into maybe like a group think thing. And the easiest obvious thing doesn't always necessarily happen. And so I think they've struggled with that a little bit this year. Hashtag too many good players. (laughs) Exactly. Wow, that's a th- that's a throwback from from Doug there. But um, I almost wonder, like, if we did a ranking right now, let's say we take take Chubb out of it, think about it from a target perspective, and let's say if Kareem's healthy, like a world where Kareem Hunt was healthy and Odell Beckham Jr. was on the team, like what would our rankings be of? Here's in order who they should target the most. I don't know that we would come to a consensus and I don't know that they would come to a consensus. So it's almost like their best guys aren't as good as Kelsey and Tyree kill and their lower guys are better than some of the other guys in, in Kansas city, just as an example, which creates a world where it changes week to week. And you, you don't commit to any single player, no matter what, which kind of leads us to where we are right now. And you know how the Steelers have that their motto, nameless gray faces. I think that's how sometimes how Kevin Stefanski might see his offense. It's just, this is who we throw to on this play. This is who we throw to on this play. This is going to carry the ball on this play. It doesn't really matter who it is. It's whoever's open and, and whoever the, wherever the play was designed to go, whoever's standing there at that moment, that's the person you're throwing to. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Nobody's been able to really get into a rhythm, except for Nick Chubb when he was running the ball. No one's really been able to get hot, get into a rhythm, get something going. There's nothing that you have been able to really hang your hat on this season to say that works, except for, well, Kareem Hunt is always that. I mean, he's pretty consistent. But with him hurt, 
you know, there, there's just not that, you know, that surefire connection with that, with anybody thought they would have it with Jarvis. Uh, that was an uncharacteristic game and maybe he'll be himself the rest of the season. Okay. Mine is pretty straightforward. I'm going to stick with the running game here for, for my first prediction. Uh, and I'm, we're going to talk about uh, Nick Chubb. So Chubb coming off the calf injury, you know, I don't know if he was 100% or not in, in that game last week, but you've got to assume he's going to be healthier this, this year. Five games against the Bengals, averages 93.4 yards per game. Uh, when you look at his game log, last he played them once last season, rushed 22 times for 124 yards, scored twice, has had three games over 100 yards. So for Nick Chubb, I'm going to say, and, and Scott, you actually have a stat. Uh, you were looking at some stats before we hit record here that I want you to throw in here. Um, I'm going to say for Chubb, this is sort of a double. Over under 20 carries, I'm going to say over. And then over under 100 yards, I will also say over. Um, but Scott, you had some missed tackle statistics too that kind of got me thinking a little bit about uh, Nick Chubb. Yes. Yeah, the Bengals, uh, I haven't gone through and they have 77 missed tackles, which I got to believe is near the top. And they had seven guys with at least seven missed tackles. Like one guy has eight. Everybody else in that group has seven, which is just amazing. Um, so, yeah, they have issues sometimes <laughs> tackling people, which they clearly had against the Jets, too. You know, what's weird about that, though, is that they are seventh in run defense for missing all those darn tackles they're seventh in run defense defense at 94.4 yards per game so that's interesting that they're able to uh to be up that you know up that high in the rankings it means that if they clean that up a little bit that must be a pretty damn good run defense then if they if they tighten that up and i think they're going to come in here I mean, not coming here. They're going to be down there, uh, kind of with their hair on fire after what happened against the New York Jets. They're mad about that. I mean, they are mad that they gave up like 500 yards in that game. They're going to be back home. Uh, you're going to have, you know, some players with, with some Larry and Joby. Um, so I think I'm going to take the under on 100, Nick. Yeah, I think I'm going to take the under, and I think I'm going to take her on the 20 here. All right, so under on uh, the 100 yards and under on the carries um, for Mary Kay. What do you think, Doug? Yeah, I, I think I will take the over on both of those. Um, can, I, can I ask a question again? I'm not afraid to ask questions. Make me sound stupid. <laughs> What's a typical number of missed tackles in a game for a team? like in a normal game. And, and this is why I'm asking. I thought last week, nobody for the Browns offensively really made any plays. And I thought Nick Chubb got what was there and got almost nothing else. And often he does get stuff on his own. But if there was a hole, he got through a hole. And then the first guy that could tackle him tackled him. And that he's coming off the calf injury and he had missed a couple games. Like it's not, an, I don't think that's unexpected or inexplicable. But I'm looking at the PFF grades last week. They have the Steelers missing six tackles total. And I just felt like the Browns didn't, didn't make anything happen. So 
for me to take the over on 100 yards, that is a Nick Chubb making some stuff happen game because I don't think it can only be efficient. And when there's a cutback lane, he's got to do some Nick Chubb stuff. So is he ready to do that? I'll say yes. Another week of getting healthier. And I would imagine like that he's ticked off, right? The, the Bengals are ticked off about the Jets, but he also only had 61 rushing yards last week. I think, I, I'm, I don't know. If, he, if he's healthy enough, I think we get a better version of Nick Chubb. So I'll take over on 20 and over on 100, but he's got to do some of that Nick Chubb breaking tackles, making second-level guys miss. I mean, ideally, you have less than 10 missed tackles. Uh, and okay. if you're in that five to seven range, that's even better. The Bengals had 15 last week. Okay. Um, so that's clearly, you know, it's obviously high. <clears throat> um, one thing the Bengals are really good at is they limit like those five to 10 yard runs. They're really bad when it comes to short yardage, which is great news for Nick Chubb because he's, you know, it comes to fourth and one, they got a good chance. Uh, so one area he struggles. Um, and then they also do give up quite a bit, uh, they're not great in limiting explosive runs. And as we know, that's, you know, Nick Chubb feeds on that kind of thing. I'm definitely taking the over on the carries. I think this is a game where he does break 20. Um, they're, I was, they're going to be, you know, the focus is going to be on stopping Nick Chubb. So does he get, was it a hundred, just a hundred flat? You said just a hundred. Yep. Um, I'll go. I think he gets 20 carries. See, they don't have – he's going to be on the field more than he normally – even if he isn't getting all those carries, he's just going to be on the field more. So the rest isn't what it would have been. So I'm going to – I'll say he gets over 20 carries. I'll say he gets under 100 yards, though, which isn't can, great, but I'm not saying they definitely lose this game because of that. I was going to ask, can they win? Can the Browns win if Nick Chubb has 20-plus carries and fewer than 100 yards? I th- I Depends think on can. how those yards I, I, come. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they can. It might be kind of an ugly game, but yeah, I, I think they can win if he doesn't go, if he averages you know, four yards. I mean, he could still average four yards a carry on 20 carries and get, you know, 80 yards. Um, I, I think they can win with that formula somehow. It won't be one that we'll, we'll remember forever, though, if that's the case, that's for sure. Uh, Mary Kay, what do you have? I am going to do something here on Baker Mayfield because he is obviously in the news in a big way this week. And we all know what happens usually to Baker Mayfield when you ruffle his feathers and you diss him and his back is against the wall and he gets angry. You go on the list, you go on the list and you get the mad Baker. And when you get the mad Baker, the mad Baker is often a good Baker. Um, and you know, we haven't really seen a Baker Mayfield this season yet that has played dangerous with all the moxie. Now we did see that moment last week where, uh, where he got that first down on the sideline and then just like tried to fire up the crowd after that. I think you're going to see more of that, uh, in this game. I think you're going to see a Baker that, that basically comes out, uh, to try to show the world that this Odell Beckham Jr. ordeal is not going to get him down. I think he's going to want to show that he can pass that football like the devil and, uh, and that he is still everything he was always cracked up to be. Now I'm not going to go crazy with my 
over under here. I'm just going to say 300 yard game for Baker Mayfield and two touchdown passes against the Cincinnati Bengals. So he has to throw to open guys if that's going to happen, right? He has to find the receivers who are the most open because there was enough truth in that video of there have been times, and it's not just Odell, where you look and it looks like we get it. He's making a read. Did he get to the second read? Well, the reason, but there are times when he has looked at open guys and not thrown it to them. And it's been a little inexplicable. The thing that I am wondering about is what limitations did either Baker consciously or subconsciously, and then Kevin Stefanski consciously put on the passing game in an effort to protect Baker, right? Because we know he's trying to play through something. And if one of the reactions, not to trying to prove Odell wrong nearly as much as trying to make some plays because the offense was in a shoebox last week. They, they say we can't play with restrictions and Baker, you have just got to rip it and you have got to let yourself play. And if you get hit on your shoulder, that's terrible, but trying to do it like this led to 10 points, right? That is what I am curious about because I don't know that, I, I understand maybe why they tried to do it that way last week, and that Pittsburgh defense has a bunch of good players on it. It didn't feel sustainable, and I think they just have to loosen up a little bit. So if this is the beginning of trying to loosen that up, then I think that's out there. I don't know how far down that path they'll go. So I'm going to take the under on both of those. But, man, like I know what you're saying, Mary Kay, because Kevin Stefanski has to look at what happened last week and think, we, we can't keep doing that, right? That's just not going to be good enough. Right. Right. I mean, are we sure about that, though? Because there were six drops in that game. His adjusted completion percentage was like 84%. I, don't, I didn't come away from that game thinking Baker didn't do enough or he needed to do more. Um, and I think Mary Kay kind of wrote about that, how he didn't get the help. I don't see this offense changing a ton as far as how they go about things. I think that Baker will throw two touchdown passes. I think they're more likely to be catch and run situations than like if he, if he hits 300 yards, like half of that'll be air yards. Maybe Uh, I just see them sticking to throwing uh, underneath stuff, especially against this team, no matter what Alex Van Pelt said today about trying to get, plays downfield I'm sure they'll take a shot or two but I don't see them coming out and just throwing a bunch of go routes and 20 yard crosses all the time uh so I I think he'll throw two I think he'll throw two touchdowns I I don't think he'll get 300 yards unless this game turns into you know what those games were last year um and ideally it doesn't (laughs) for the Browns so I'll say yes on the touchdowns no on the yardage and I I I don't know. Again, I think the drops are what killed them last week. So sometimes I think back about what I say on this podcast, this prediction pod, and I'm like, I said Baker would throw for 300 yards and Nick Chubb would run for 150, and then I picked the Browns to lose by two scores. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm trying to be a little more, you know, I'm trying to, to gel all my picks together here a little bit and, and make sure everything makes at least a little bit of sense. 
so if I'm going to say that Chubb is going to go over 20 carries and over 100 yards, I don't think I can say Baker will go over 300 yards passing. I do agree with Scott, though. I could see this being a two-touchdown game for Baker. A couple red zone scores. Um, you know, maybe throws for like 225 or 250, something like that. Um, but I, I can't say that Nick Chubb is going to go over 20 carries and over 100 yards and then also say Baker is going to go over 300 and two touchdowns, especially because I'm still in my head trying to figure out who I'm going to pick for this game. So if I said both of those things were going to happen, it's a no brainer. Browns are going to win. Uh, so I've just, I've got to stay, I've got to stay on point. I've got to make sure my, my picks at least make a little bit of sense, even if I end up getting them all wrong. You know, I, I think Scott makes a great point about the fact that there were six drops in that game. And, you know, we still have this overarching feeling like, Oh, Baker didn't maybe didn't have that great of a game. Well, you know, it, we would be having a completely different conversation if those six didn't happen in that game. And I think that, they, that they're going to make every effort to help Baker Mayfield get his confidence back in this game, feel good about himself. And I think his receivers are going to come through for him. There's no way Jarvis Landry is going to have a game like he had last week. There's, if, if that happens, then he's fallen off some cliff. And I just don't think he's fallen off the cliff yet. I think the receivers are going to come through for him. I think it is going to be, I think Odell is going to end up being a rallying cry for the receiver room. I think they're all going to want to show uh, that they are a good receiving core, even without Odell Beckham Jr. I think it will help tremendously to have Donovan Peoples-Jones back because I think he's really good. And as long as he feels okay, I think he's going to make a couple of big plays. And I think they're going to put it together. This is the 23rd ranked pass defense that they're playing against, giving up 266.9 yards per game. I just think uh, that, you know, they have something to prove. They've got a lot to prove in this game, and I think they are going to prove it. Okay, Doug, what do you have? I'm going to set it over under for Jamar Chase, the rookie receiver for the Bengals, at eight catches. He That's his most this year. He had eight catches on 10 targets for 201 yards and a touchdown against the Ravens two weeks ago in the game that kind of officially announced the Bengals as a real team, not just a nice little story because they had gotten there, beaten Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, Detroit. And then when they did that to the Ravens, like everybody, everybody woke up. Now, last week against the Jets, three catches on nine targets for 32 yards. So there was a nothing went right for the Bengals last week. But I think it, this is just one of these situations where this is a huge game. For, it's a huge game for both teams. And as much as Mary Kay, you know, was sort of saying, well, maybe the Browns should lean into their best guys, right? Like, why aren't they getting a more, the Bengals know who their best guy is. It's this guy. And, I, and T Higgins is good. And Joe Mixon is good. And they have some other guys, but this is, this is go time for the Bengals. And I think they are going to lean on this Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase connection in a huge way. So I will put over under eight receptions, which would tie uh, his high for the season this year. It's a good one. Go ahead, Scott. Uh, I'll totally agree with that. The Brown or the Browns have done really poorly against the other team's number one receiver this year. Um. I was just looking at DVOA. They're like 29th in DVOA against number number one receiver for the other team. And 
that's kind of that's whoever football outsiders considers number one receiver. But we know and we've seen, uh, you know, against the Vikings, against the Chargers, against the Cardinals, you know, those guys are getting catches and making big catches. So, yeah, I'm I'm all in on Jamar Chase having an impactful game. I'm going to take I'm going to take the under just because, like you said, Doug, that's like his career high. So I don't know that he's going to get his career high, but I'm scared to death of a Mike Williams sort of game. Hmm. Or maybe he doesn't have eight catches, but somehow he gets lost and he has like four catches for 175 yards. Um, I, I think that's kind of the nightmare scenario here for the Browns is that it's either him or one of these other receivers, because they have a pretty good receiving core, just getting lost in that secondary. I think this is a good test to see if the Browns have really fixed some of those issues or if they're still going to, uh, if they're still going to be a problem, this is a good test for this defense. I, um, I see maybe seven receptions. I see maybe seven receptions for Jamar on um, like 10 or 11 targets. I think he's going to get plenty of targets. Uh, I think with Denzel Ward back, Greedy still playing well, and Greg Newsom really coming on strong. You know, Greg Newsom is probably going to spend most of his time on Jamar Chase. Greg, Greg can get there and break up that pass in a hurry. I think this is going to be a pretty nice game for Greg Newsom. So I'm going to say seven catches for Jamar. I'm going to go with the under on on the eight, just uh, largely, largely because of, of Greg. I'll take the over on my own thing, but to Dan's point, receptions for the Bengals this year, Jamar Chase 38, Tyler Boyd 37, T Higgins 29, but receiving yards this year, Jamar Chase 786, Tyler Boyd 398, T Higgins 353. Boyd's averaging 10.8 yards per reception, T Higgins 12.2, Jamar Chase 20.7. So maybe... Like you were saying, Dan, maybe it's not the number of catches, but it's the damage he does with the five, six, seven catches that he has. My second one, I do have a second one this week, and it's a guy that we absolutely have to talk about, obviously. Uh, the unofficial podcast of Joe Burrow. We have to spend a little bit of time on, on Cincinnati's quarterback. And I'm going to steal Mary Kay's Baker, uh, Baker prop here. Joe Burrow, over 300 yards, over under let's, let's say two and a half touchdowns so let's say over under 300 yards over under two and a half touchdowns just for reference this year uh burrow has gone over 300 yards uh, twice yeah it looks like twice and he has thrown more two or more touchdowns in every single game he's thrown three touchdowns in one two three four games so far so i, I actually think this one works out well for joe burrow um, without doing any research, just stealing it from Mary Kay. Uh, 300 <laughs> yards passing, two touchdowns for Joe Burrow. Mm. It's interesting because, like I said before, I do think that the Browns actually finally sort of have a full complement of defensive backs in the game this week. And I think that's going to be meaningful. Um, so I actually think I'm going to go under on the two and a half touchdowns. I think I'm going to go under on that. It's risky 
but I don't know. I, I think I'm going to go under on that. And yet I think I'm going to go over on the yards. Because I think that one of the touchdowns is going to be a longish one enough to get you up to 300 yards. Since I think a big game for Chase, I'll, I'll go big game for Burrow too. So yeah. I'll go over that. Yeah. I'm kind of torn on this because I, I keep thinking about last season, but then, you know, and how, how much they threw the ball. I think he had one, one of those games was like over 60 attempts. Uh, but then I also think about like the secondary they had on the field in those games and how much that's changed. But then I think about the problems the Browns have still had this season. So it's, I, I do think that, I mean, the Bengals throw and they do it well. And I think he probably safer saying, yeah, he's going to throw a couple touchdowns and, and get 300. I think that's probably the safer bet here. So we'll go with that. Um, but I, man, that's not good. That's not a good place for the Browns to be in because I don't know if their offense right now can keep up with that, but I'll, I'll say, yeah, I'll say he does. He does have a big game. So you're going yeah, over, I, over the two I'm and a half. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say under under 300. I'm gonna I'm gonna say like a 292 touchdown game. So I'm guess I'm I guess I'm taking unders on on both of those. Even though again, see, I took that that big yardage game for Jamar Chase. Who knows? I don't know what I'm talking about. Who else has a second <laughs> one? Well, I was just gonna say real quick that you know. I, Miles could factor big into this game. I mean, I'm, Joe I'm glad Burrow, you said that because I wanted to bring that up. Yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow might have a hard time, you know, exit running his game and doing what he wants to do with Miles probably playing with his hair on fire because he does get sacked. Joe Burrow has been sacked 20 times already this season. Okay. That's a significant amount of sacks. So Miles could come up big in this game. And I think he will probably uh, be aiming for his first strip. I think he probably has a pretty good chance of getting it. And I, I think that, um, I think that could impact how big of a game Joe Burrow does. Have. And and he got him last year. Burrow was in that string of strip sacks. Yep. I think he'll get one. You think he'll get a strip? You think Miles yeah. will get a strip? This here we go. This week? is our, is this our, is this your unofficial second prediction here, Mary? Kay? Yeah, let's make, yes. Let's make this my unofficial second prediction. I think that Miles in a game like this, this, this could jump over to our emotional pod. Um, in a game like this, I, I think Miles feels uh, the weight of the world on his shoulders to lead this team out of adversity and to a victory. So when he sees everything going on that he sees over on the, on the offense, I think it adds to his game a little bit. And I think he wants to show off for Larry, his good buddy. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that Miles is going to try to put the team on his back and have ba Baker's back in this game as well. And I feel like he's going to really try really hard to get there and get dig one out. And he will. I mean, if he has a strip sack and it's an, uh, an impactful moment, that's like that's a strong resume builder for the year. If you do that in a game like this. Yeah. Uh, and it, and it helps the Browns win. That's yeah. That looks really good for people voting for you. <laughs> you got a strip sack for miles, Doug. Oh, I don't know. I feel like we talk about strip sacks a lot and <laughs> it does come up a lot. We're waiting on one. I mean, it was what he did to Cincinnati, right. To like welcome Joe Burrow to the league last year was kind of like a special deal. So part of me thinks like Joe Burrow's like, whatever happens, 
I am not letting Miles Garrett get a strip sack on me because <laughs> I know what that's like. And I, I'm going to make sure I sense backside pressure and I move well in the pocket and I'm going to throw balls away before I let that happen. So I think, I think he's so aware of having it happen to him that he will be hyper vigilant about not letting it happen this time. Okay. Anybody else have a second one before we get to the game itself? Doesn't look like it. Okay. So uh, I got this pulled up right now on FanDuel. Uh, the Browns are underdogs in this game as they go on the road. Uh, Cincinnati is favored by two and a half points. The over-under in this game is 47. I am having a really hard time with this game. Is it, so I, does, is anyone just absolutely convinced in their pick in this football game that this is what's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. Or are you guys struggling with this one too? Can I ask a question that is slightly different than who you're picking to win in this game? Yes. Which team is better? It's such a loaded question in my (laughs) mind. I'll tell you why, because it's, it, it is partially semantics, which roster from top to bottom is better. I that's also tough because I think actually the Bengals have a pretty good roster this year. Their defense is playing a lot better than anybody expected them to. Their two safeties are playing very well. Um, But I think that you have to give a lot of added weight to the quarterback. And right now I just think Joe Burrow is a better quarterback right now than Baker Mayfield. So I'd almost have to say the Bengals are the better team. And, and, And what makes this hard is like, I think about it. Okay. So, quarterbacks right I would I would take Burrow wide receivers I would take the Bengals especially with this Odell situation but I would take the Browns running backs I'd take their offensive line I would take their defensive line I I guess Scott you were throwing out some linebacker stats I think I'd probably take the healthy Browns linebacking core secondary you know you get into safety I don't know I, I mean if you go position by position there's cases to be made on both sides at various positions. So who's better? I think the Browns have the better roster, but I'm not convinced that they're, especially with Odell out and Kareem Hunt. Not, I mean, are we talking hundred percent healthy or are we talking just right now? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, right. I mean, it could be either one like, yeah, roster or how they're playing or I, I guess, because I do think that's a different question than who you think is going to win on Sunday. Cause there's some emotional stuff. There's some where it fits in the schedule. There's strategy. Right. There's some of that stuff that I think I'm going to, that influences a lot of the intangible stuff is influencing my view of the game, I think, but I'm also not sure of the fundamental underlying question of who is better. <laughs> so I'm confused both ways. And when Dan was like, well, I don't even know who I'm going to pick yet. I was like, Dan, you're the host of the podcast. You don't know who you're going to pick. And then I was like, oh, wait, I don't know who I'm going to pick either. So I can't yell at Dan because that's what this game feels like. Well, that's because, like you said, the emotional aspect of it, the Browns have been through hell and Baker has been through hell this week. And teams sometimes pull together and rally around adversity. And it's just a matter of, Will they and can they? And if they can, I mean, look what happened when they went into Pittsburgh and Juju Smith-Schuster just gave them one little phrase to hang their hats on. Browns is the Browns. I mean, they ran with that. 
if they can work themselves up into any kind of a frenzy over what's happened to them this week and that the world is against them and everyone's counting them out. I mean, look at the way the coach is talking. We're desperate. Our lives depend on this game. I mean, they are really putting all their eggs in this basket. And I mean, and they're, most of their eggs should be in this basket. And it's just a matter of, are they going to come out and respond? The Bengals feel like they came out flat, totally flat against the Jets, and they're mad at themselves. But do they have enough emotion to overcome the Odell factor of the week? I don't know. I mean, both teams have been really inconsistent. Uh, the Bengals, I mean, yeah, they have a good record, but they, actually the Browns, like in just DVOA, there's team rankings too. The Browns are ranked sixth, largely because their offense is so high, which is largely a product of their rushing game being so good. The Bengals are ranked 21st. Again, they just haven't been that consistent team. Their defense is not uh, – Oh, their offense is actually ranked below their defense. Joe Burrow is actually ranked below Baker Mayfield in DVOA this season. Um, you know, so- that, makes, that, that just blows my mind when I see stuff like that, Scott. I mean, how can that be? Doesn't He's got what? Uh, how many touchdown passes does Joe Burrow have? Hang on. Uh, I've, I've got it. I've got a. Uh, he's got 20. Okay. You got 20 touchdown passes. Baker has six. How? How? It's all it's all based on success rate. It isn't just how many touchdown passes you're throwing. It's it's how often you're throwing the five yard pass on third and four versus a five yard pass on on first and ten. Um, you know, it's there's a lot more that goes into it on a play to play basis. But yeah, most people are going to look at the, at the overall stats and say, well, Joe Burrow's having a better year, and yeah. there's a strong argument to make there. But yeah. on an efficiency standpoint, on a game to game standpoint, um, it's not a straight line. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. <laughs> You're not winning this argument, Scott. This no, is this is not a good day for DVOA. Don't tell well, me this. The other- don't tell me the guy with the six touchdown passes is ranked higher than the guy with the 20 touchdown passes because that's how you win games when you score points. Well, PFF and everybody has Jamar Burrow. Chase to throw to either. But. PFF has Burrow as the eighth uh, highest graded quarterback um, passing wise. So And what's Baker? Uh, oh, geez. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, 24th. Okay. And ESPN's so, QBR does not have Burrow rated very high either. No. I, th- I think what, I think what we're learning is it's still really hard to figure out quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So again, like I said, I'm, I'm torn with this game because I don't know how the Browns respond this week. And I, I almost feel like this is sort of like, are we going to come out of this game saying same old Bengals? Or are we going to come out of this game saying same old Browns? And I actually don't believe in either of those things. I think the Browns are fine. I think long-term the Browns are fine. But right, the Browns go down there and just house the Bengals. The Bengals have lost to the Jets now. They got destroyed by the Browns. So oh, same old Bengals. Browns go through this week of adversity. Maybe they go down there and lose to Cincy by two scores. Everybody's saying same old Browns. I can't. I'm just having trouble figuring out how the Browns are going to respond to this. I think this is different than the Juju thing. I think this is something internal. I, I don't know what's going on with players sitting here saying they would welcome Odell back with open arms and the front office making it pretty clear. It's not going to happen. I just, it's hard for me to figure out how the Browns are going to respond. 
on the other side of this, everybody is looking at this and saying, because of everything going on this week, the Browns are going to lose. And I almost want to just be like the zag to that. And I just want to say, well, no, they're going to win. I'm just going to go with the gut I had early in the, the gut feeling I had kind of early in the week. I feel like the Bengals are going to win this game. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, I will take, I'll take the Browns plus two and a half, but I think the Bengals win. So I'm not going to make a pick because we decided we're not putting stuff out, right? We're not making official public picks. So you can't make me, you can't make (laughs) me make a pick because I I think the way the Bengals are functioning more often right now, I think they're a slightly better football team right now. When you factor in no Kareem Hunt, no JOK, no Odell, Baker's shoulder, right? All that stuff. No Jack Conklin. I think the Bengals are a better football team. But I said this about the Chargers game and I was wrong, so I'm going to double down on it. The Browns are a year further in their down the path. They learned about stuff like this a year ago. And the Bengals are in sort of year one of this, of trying to figure out how to be good and, and being consistent. And this is an important game. That should matter to the Browns. They should have an experience edge. They should. And I actually like the Browns going on the road here because I also think it's possible the Bengals fan base, sometimes your fan base is really excited for you. And now that fan base is going to be a little bit on edge because they just laid a stinker in New York last week. And if the Browns go down there and they force an early turnover and they get a lead, I think you can put a pin in that stadium and let the air out of it. And I think if the Browns were home this week, I think you can start feeling some pressure because you're ready. Your fans are ready to be disappointed if you don't look good. And the Browns can be like, man, we're going on the road. This is us against the world kind of stuff. They should lean into that. And so I think there are some intangible things here, some experienced things here that lean toward the Browns. But I think the Bengals Bengals have played better. I don't know that the Browns right now could do the Ravens. I don't, I don't exactly know what a 41-17 Browns win over the Ravens right now would look like. I don't know how we get to that world. So that makes me think, well, the Bengals have a higher upside. But if this is gut check time for a team, I didn't think last week was a must win. I think this is a borderline must win. Mm-hmm. So that would lead me to the Browns, and all of that is leading me to I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Because if you did say all this emotional stuff just sucked the life out of them and they come out and they get Jamar chased all day and it's hard to rally because it's been an exhausting week, I think that's feasible too, right? Mary Kay, you've been around it enough. Sometimes you rally around this. Sometimes it exhausts you. Dan, you just said that. You don't know. So I think it is really, really hard to figure out how this game is going to go. So I pass. I I love that you and I just both talk circles around this thing. Like we yeah. just like clearly when we both said that we can't figure this game out, the way we just laid out uh, how we how we came to obviously you decided not to make a pick. How I came to my pick was just the most roundabout. I have no idea what's going to happen. Way of doing it. <laughs> it was, we are definitely on brand there. Scott, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Uh, I can go. I I think I'm thinking like 31-17 Bengals. Um, Bengals have kind of went back and forth and having a good game, bad game, especially with their passing offense. Um, 
coming off a not so great game against the Jets. So I think it's going to be a good game against the Browns. They're at home. The Browns, uh, this wasn't the week to course correct. I, I don't, I don't just with everything that's happened. Obviously it seems like it's more from the outside, but I'm sure it's just, you know, they've had stuff to deal with inside too. So uh, I just, this isn't the game that, that the Browns win, but don't fret Browns fans, because according to the New York times uh, playoff predictor, yes. if the Browns, the Browns can split with the Bengals and actually lose both games to the Ravens and still make the playoffs, well, at least have a 94% chance of making the playoffs if they win the rest of their games. That So basically split with the Bengals, lose twice to the Ravens, win everything else, you're in. Which that's three more losses, so that's 10 and 7. That's 10 and 7. Wow, who predicted 10 and 7 in the playoffs this year? I cannot remember. That includes beating the Packers on Christmas. That does include that's beating sorry. the Packers so, on Christmas. Yeah. I, I wish, I know Mary Kay usually got to make your pick. I wish the Browns could play the Lions next week. I wish I wish we could switch those two games instead of like like I don't think the Patriots are like world beaters, but I think the Patriots are a tough team. I, I just wish they didn't have to go to Foxborough a week after this one. What a, what I a, wish the Browns could play the Lions every week. Yeah, yeah. Not. the Browns moved to the <laughs> NFC North. Fifteen right, and two. Man. You got Mary Kay. You know what? I talked myself into. I didn't know really how I felt until I got on the pod. And then I just got myself all talked into Baker Mayfield against the world, Miles Garrett against the world, Jarvis Landry being contagious and coming back and showing everybody that this receiving core is good and that he's not the guy who dropped two passes and fumbled the ball last week. I think they're going to turn it around. I think their upside is so much better than what they've shown. I don't think they're a football team that scores 17, 14, 14 and 10 points. I think that with Donovan Peoples-Jones back and with Jarvis not dropping passes and Nick Chubb a little healthier and Baker ticked off, I, I think they're going to put it together. I don't think they're going to score. I don't think it's going to be 41 to 17. Uh, I think it'll still be a pretty close game. In fact, I don't think the Browns are going to cover. It might be like 24 to 23, but I think the Browns are going to pull it out. All right, there we go. Uh, our pick spot in the books, Browns and Bengals at one o'clock on Sunday afternoon at Paul Brown Stadium. Uh, yeah, this should be a fun game. I, I'm curious. This is a good test for this team emotionally, where they are as a football team, all of that. Like you said, Mary Kay, Kevin Stefanski uh, saying that they have to play like their lives depend on it. So we'll see if they do that. Uh, if you're not a football insider subscriber, we text you during the games. We text you during the week. I don't know what you're doing. You got to get involved. Go to Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page uh, to get info and get signed up. And also just make sure you're subscribed to this podcast because we've had sort of a weird schedule this week with all the Odell stuff. And if you want that thing delivered right to your phone, iPad, whatever, however you listen, uh, as soon as I hit publish on these podcasts, you got to be subscribed. We'll save you a lot of trouble. So just get subscribed wherever you listen to your podcasts. For Mary Kay, Doug, and Scott, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.